Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined by Rob Cassidy. Rob, how's it going? Ah, uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm alive and well. Uh, back from Philadelphia and back in sunny Miami. And of course, we have Nick Kruger out in Texas. Nick, uh, how's uh, the, the wild, wild west treating you? Things are going great. I just got my driver's license. I'm officially, I was officially a Texan before, but now I'm a, a super official Texan. I can vote now, too. Oh boy, we'll we'll talk about that on our political podcast later on later on in the week where we break down Hillary Clinton's uh, and all, and also concerns. talk also talk about whether you should or should not kneel for the national anthem. Oh geez, yeah, let's definitely not talk. About, let's definitely not talk about that. Uh, we you know we we got a lot of great feedback on the new format last week. We want to remind people: please go on iTunes, subscribe, uh, leave us a review. Reviews help us uh, reach a bigger audience. If you want to contact us, you can reach us, RivalsPodcast at Yahoo.com. Uh, on Twitter, at RivalsPodcast, uh, you could find the three of us. I'm at RivalsWoody. Rob is at Cassidy underscore Rob. And uh, Nick is at City. That's with two O's uh, for those that uh, might use the O-U spelling, uh, biblical spelling of Krug. So <laughs> let's uh, jump right into this week's uh, top five topics. I guess we're going to start with South Carolina, so I'll kind of kick us off. Uh, Ortre Smith committed on Sunday, which, you know, talk about not having a sense for uh, for media, the media news cycle. He commits on 9-11 and on the opening day of the NFL season at 6.30 at night. So it didn't really make the national splash that getting a top 100 player uh, would normally get. But uh, a big-time addition for South Carolina. I, I know the three of us have all seen Ortre Smith at uh, two different – five-star challenges. He's a big receiver. He made it to the finals of the opening as Davis's, Davis Mills' top wide receiver there. So, uh, you know, first, uh, we can talk about what it means for South Carolina. They've been on a roll. Uh, you, they've, got, they've got some guy. they got a four-star from Florida. they got Jemias Williams. they got MJ Webb, uh, who's a four-star defensive tackle. Do we think this is something that's sustainable, or uh, is this the typical first-year bump for the Gamecocks? I guess we'll start with you, Rob. Hundred percent, typical first year bump. Uh, it can be sustainable, but you know, in order to sustain recruiting, I feel like this is very repetitive. Um, you know, you have to actually win football games, and you know, they may or may not do that. But this fades quickly. Uh, we've seen it happen all the time. Uh, perception is everything in recruiting, and if you're perceived as a program on the rise, which for at least now they are, uh, you'll do well. Um, and whether you are or not, that doesn't matter. It's just what these kids think. So, you know, new coaching staff provides that kind of spark of, okay, uh, it's a new direction. Um, so, you know, there's some hope there. Uh, but as soon as you're perceived as flatlining or uh, not winning games or not a program on the rise, that dries up. So th- there's no possible way that this is like happened and, and now it's just going to be sustainable because, you know, this could dry up in three weeks. Uh, it ha- can happen that quickly in recruiting. I think we all know that. Yeah, we've seen this at several other schools, Kentucky being a, a prime example where a new staff comes in and they, they really get a big bump, especially the first year. I, I don't think, I mean, South Carolina did did win an SEC game already. Their schedule's kind of tough to open the year, but I think uh, six and six, probably the ceiling for them. But, but, you know, you mentioned the on-field sustainability. I think if they can get to a bowl game this year, that would be a good start and uh, maybe get some good play from the freshman, Brandon McElwain. That'll help as well. But this was a guy, Ortre Smith, from all accounts, at least uh, leading up to the past few weeks, Clemson was heavily involved. And part of the reason Clemson's been able to have such big success is they've dominated in-state recruiting over the past few years. Uh, Will Muschamp has made it a big priority. And, you know, I had the newspaper 
whatever newspaper, oh, the newspaper that uh, refused to credit us when A.J. Terrell committed. Of course, they call me for quotes whenever uh, they, they, it sees fit to them. So thank you, the state newspaper. Shots fired at you. Uh, they, they called and asked, you know, this is crazy. Will Muschamp didn't do this at Florida. Well, you know, guess what? Will Muschamp recruited most of the players that, that won 11 games at Florida last year and had several guys go to the NFL, and they have a, a killer defense this year. He's never been a bad recruiter. What killed him there was the instability, and once people knew he was going to be probably fired, uh, he didn't have that same kind of buzz. So I like what South Carolina is doing. I think you know their class is pretty much filled up. I mean, they only got a few more spots left, but uh, I think what what Rob said is key. If they can keep winning some games, uh, that's that's going to be that's going to help them a lot. Now, uh, one of the most polarizing figures. We'll shift topics here. Anthony Hines, uh, ranked by some people as a five-star, one of the top linebackers in the country, self-proclaimed best linebacker in the country, I believe, after he said he watched everyone's film. and it had I kind of respect that, though. You know, like, we may not think as highly of his talent as some of the other services do, but, I mean, hey, that's like a wrestling move, right? Coming on out and calling yourself, <laughs> it's like calling yourself the number one linebacker in the country. Yeah, I enjoyed that. That was that was pretty funny. Of course, some of those pictures I remember famously. Uh, I know this is we're getting sidetracked on Hines and what he did this weekend, but uh, he famously came to the Rivals Five Star Challenge with uh, you know a big hairdo, <laughs> and a lot of the players were like, "What is that? Who is that guy? What's he doing here?" Because uh, they you know he didn't pass the eye test for some of the uh, players from the Southeast. So Nick, I think we've been assumed he's going to go to Texas A and M, at least from my outside perspective. I know Oklahoma's in the mix, but he popped up at Penn State this weekend. What happened there, and was was that a surprise to you as well to see him take that visit? Yeah, it's interesting to see what's going on with him. Uh, you know, he had came out and uh, canceled the visit to Texas following his visit to Texas A&M. Uh, and then, you know, after not putting Penn State in his initial list of top 10 schools, here he is taking uh, an official visit there, uh, especially coming off, uh, you know, a, a a loss for Penn State, you know, it seems it seems strange that they're kind of coming out of left field here with the, you know, with the with the official visit and jumping into the into the mix with him. But, um, you know, I think with him, you know, it's it's going to be kind of interesting. A lot, like you said, a lot of people, you know, suggest that he's one of the top linebackers in the country, if not the top linebacker uh, in the in the country. A lot so of people, <laughs> a lot of people say that. So, um, you know, so so we'll, a lot of people, including him. Yeah, he said it, so it's, <laughs> so, it's been decided. <laughs> but but when you look at when you look at the schools that are in the you know that are in contention for him and using his top ten as a reference, I mean, they kind of you know not to not to I, I don't know I don't want to put one team down over the other, but I mean they kind of run uh, you know across different sort of tiers in terms of you know, where their perception is as a program in terms of how big they are. So really, I mean, you know, he's a guy that, you know, could fit in at a number of different uh, schools, depending on where he, he thinks the best fit is for him. Um, you know, I personally, I think he's a guy that does uh, much better in run defense than he does in pass coverage. And I think he should, you know, try and find a, find a school and a fit for him that would sort of use, you know, use that to their advantage as opposed to, you know, putting him in a situation where he's going to have to, you know, drop back and, and cover receivers, uh, you know, on a consistent basis. And, um, you know, he does have a, a commitment date set for uh, the end of November, I believe, and plans on enrolling early, you know, led a lot of people to believe that his mind had already been made up. So, you know, when he starts committing, uh, canceling official visits to other schools, you know, that sort of further, um, kind of kind of supports that theory. But, you know, here we are seeing him take a visit up to, to Penn State. And, you know, who knows what they've got in store for him up there. 
Now, Penn State could use them, that's for sure. I don't know if you saw what they did this weekend, but boy, oh boy. <laughs> my, favorite thing, my favorite thing about them is, too, there's that Penn State blog that, that, that comes out and says they're insulted that Pitt is, thinks they're their rival and then they lose. <laughs> I mean, that is just, I mean, that is really top-notch stuff there. Well, so, yeah, of course, you know, Rob's a big fan, fan of James Franklin and his coaching ability, so he doesn't have a, <laughs> have a stake in, in the argument. Uh, Nick, is it possible that uh, some of these 90 offers that uh, our boy Anthony Hines has, maybe some of them are not committable, and that may be why uh, his uh, visit schedule is being shuffled? Do you think that's possible? When when somebody says they have ninety offers, there's gonna be a percentage of them that are non-committable because there's just, there's that just seems so too improbable, uh, even for a player of, of unless his. you're the number one player in the country. Well, yeah, if you're the number one player in the country. You may have ninety committable. Well, so other than that, you're you're no. Yeah, um, you don't. But if you look at if you look at his if you look at the list of of top ten schools that he put out right now, or, or that he has officially, it's Texas, TCU, Ohio State, Florida, Texas A and M, UCLA, Oklahoma, Auburn, SMU, and Oklahoma State. So. So you would think that SMU and Oklahoma State aren't actually in that top 10, but they would take him if he committed, sure. Oklahoma, I think it would take him. Uh, A&M is a take. Ohio State, we know you know, he, he famously chose to uh, forego making a return appearance to the five-star challenge this year uh, to, to take a visit to Ohio State. Um, so you would think that they're significantly in the mix, uh, depending on what goes on with, you know, guys like Baron Browning, uh, who's, who's really the name to watch as far as how the linebacker dominoes fall in the state of Texas. But, um, you know, I mean, you guys would know better than me about, uh, maybe a school like Florida or Auburn, how, how interested they would actually be in him uh, and how good of a fit he'd actually be with those schools. But, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think there's some negotiating left to be done with him, uh, from, from uh from both sides of, of the schools that are interested in him and uh you know we'll see it's really distracting to try and talk about whatever's happening on this call the shuffling that's being done right I, now I think Rob's got something going on on his end we, we, but that'll be edited that'll be edited out of course it, it, so. no it wasn't into the microphone I had to run uh, actually downstairs to get my laptop charger no. because it was well, dying, so. they found a way to affect the podcast one way or the other <laughs> yeah well look, right. look, look, look man i'm sick of talking about anthony hines anyway i would rather at this point listen to me shuffle around my house Let, let's see let's see how many topics rob did you add to the to the breakdown here this week maybe let's talk about something that you added to the to the rundown uh, i think there's i think there's one on there so we can we can talk about my my one topic okay well hold on we're gonna roll into texas a&m more texas a&m talk Texas A&M is 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 two and zero. They they won a big game against uh, UCLA, and then this weekend they get a commitment uh, from offensive lineman, uh, big kid out of Texas, Jared Hawker. He he f- flipped from somewhere, right, Nick? Well, he was initially he was initially committed to Kansas, then he flipped to Texas Tech, and now he's flipped again to Texas A&M. So. Wow, uh, take, take three that. commitments for a three-star offensive lineman. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, this all happened. Uh, this all happened over the course of my time uh, taking over as as Texas analyst too. I believe the first time, you know, the the only time I've ever seen him um, was at our uh, Dallas Rivals Camp Series event over the spring. And you know, not a guy that you know I'm I'm overly enthusiastic about. You know, watching you know watching him play, but he is a really big dude, and I think with some coaching and you know, like we see with a lot of these offensive linemen, if if they if they know 
if they can be coached on what to do and they have the size to do it, they can be effective. And I think he sort of falls into that category. I mean, there's still some some technique things that he needs to work on. But, you know, when you look at uh, Texas A&M's class in terms of, you know, what it means for the the offensive line commits they have, obviously the, um, you know, the standout there is Grayson Reed. And he's an inside guy. You know, we have, uh, you know, we have Hawker as a tackle. Um, he's sort of a wide body guy that I think could could play anywhere. But they have a lot of interior linemen coming in with this class, so I think they would, I would expect them to try and fit him into that into a tackle spot. But uh, you know, now you're looking at, at Texas A&M's class, and they have four offensive linemen committed, five if you count uh, the mercurial Cameron Ori, depending on what his future might be uh, with the Aggies. But um, you know, but I think that I think this pretty much wraps up their offensive line group for this class. Well, so coming into the year, I think we all thought, I mean, I think the national perception was that Kevin Sumlin might be in trouble, that he's on the hot seat after all the quarterback drama, the offseason, the, the, the subtweeting, the, you know, it didn't seem like they had a lot of momentum. I think we talked about it. After the two wins now is the perception that, that, uh, that Kevin Sumlin is now kind of back you know, to where he was before in the eyes of recruits where they, they like him and they perceive him to be there, a guy that's going to be there long term. So I think the I think the situation with Sumlin and a lot of head coaches, you know, as far as recruits are concerned, is if they establish a relationship with them, they like them and they don't, you know, they don't think too hard about the the situation they're in, and t- like like we do as members of the media. Obviously, you know, we always talk about Les Miles and the situation he was in last year, and uh, kids love him and and don't think twice about you know what the storyline was at the end of last season. So I think the same thing is sort of happening with Sumlin, you know, and a lot of stuff that went on with the coaches too. Um, you know, in the off season, in terms of you know the thing, you know the the women's clinic and the situation with Tate and all that stuff. I mean, really, how big of a deal, you know, was it? It's kind of a black eye in terms of your public perception to the general public. But I mean, is it? It's not of real consequence in terms of of what it meant to the program and. And I think the results that they're getting on the field show as much too. And you know, you're looking at their first two games. They want to. They want a good one against UCLA. They want a decisive one against Prairie View last week that we all expected them to win. You know, now they've got Auburn uh, coming up, which I think you know, given how they've started, is is a winnable game for them as well. So you know, as long as they keep the ball rolling, you know, they've certainly had the recruiting momentum going on this off season. You know, I think the, you know, I, I think the the situation in terms of us creating a, an atmosphere of distress for Kevin Sumlin might be just something that, you know, the, you know, might just be something that the media has drummed up just to, just to create a storyline for the program. Yeah. Damn liberal media at it again. Uh, you know, listen. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so this week, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about big 12 ex- expansion quite a bit. Uh, Rob actually hopped on the old conference call with the Big 12 coaches and uh, asked a few questions to them about the situation. Rob, what was the feedback? I mean, I, I think, you know, the, the perception we've had from the outside is that if you're a school like Kansas or uh, even Texas Tech, TCU, that you wouldn't want Houston in just because, uh, you know, things things might you know, be harder for you to recruit, especially in the city of Houston. And Nick mentioned last week it could affect Texas A&M. What was the response you got, especially when you talked to Charlie Strong and and a lot of guys like that? Like nobody wants Houston, uh, coaching-wise. I mean, obviously, expansion doesn't care about recruiting. Expansion is bigger than recruiting. Uh, It does not matter (laughs) at all. Uh, That's why none of these coaches have a say. But from a strictly football standpoint, none of those guys want Houston in. Um, some of them will say that. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury came out and said that, said that he thought the conference was fine. He knows that adding another school in Texas is bad news for him in recruiting. He did not hide behind it. Uh, you know, Charlie Strong was a little bit more 
reserved in his response. And I think if you've ever talked to Charlie Strong, that's kind of how he is. He never came out and said anything except for, you know, it doesn't affect us. We're just going to do whatever we do, which is, of course, uh, a lie. Uh, of course it affects him. <laughs> it affects all these guys. You know, if they add two more schools in Texas, that makes what? Six, seven in the state? It's impossible. Eventually, it's overcrowded, especially when you're A&M. You've got A&M in there in the SEC who has gone ahead and, you know, they sign guys out of there. They signed probably five or six four-stars, and that's an estimate last year, uh, just out of Texas alone. And then you've got your Oklahoma that's always going to be a player in the state. Uh, now you've got your TCU who went through this before. Uh, you know, I asked Gary Patterson about it as well, and, you know, he admitted – Hey, when we came into the state, we really got a recruiting bump out of this, and it was a really big one. But then you ask him, okay, well, you know, would that happen to another school? And he's like, well, you know, I don't know if it would affect us. But well, if it affected you positively when you entered the Big 12, uh, the logic would dictate that it will affect you negatively when it happens again, right? I mean, there's only so many players to go around. Now, whether that's a giant drop-off or not is up for debate. But, but to sit there and say that it's not going to affect you is just either being naive or just wanting to disagree for disagreement's sake. Yeah, and I think it it will not only affect the schools like like you mentioned in the Big Twelve. You also have to think about schools like Ole Miss and uh, uh, LSU, schools that have really kind of moved into Texas. Maybe even Arizona, who get some of the the lower rated guys. Or uh, you know, they they've done a nice job of recruiting Texas and kind of finding some hidden gems. I think if Houston is there, uh, and then maybe another school like you said, it just it just gives that much. It gives that much more momentum and more power to go to to to, to recruit, you know, and, and recruit against those SEC schools and say, look, stay close to home. You could play in the Big Twelve. So, you know, I think if you're a Houston fan, you want the you obviously you want the Big Twelve. You want it badly, uh, but it, it's going to be interesting to see how things shake out. I think, you know, c- coaches are, you know, of course, are never going to go out and say we're afraid of something, but I can guarantee you behind the scenes. Uh, they're letting it be known to their known. presidents that hey, you know, we don't want tech, we don't want Houston in here. Uh, you know, we, we'd rather have whoever else. I mean, Cincinnati or somebody like that. I mean, there are no U- threat. UCF, UCF would be perfect. No threat. They're in Florida. They've got their own fertile recruiting ground. But like I said, recruiting does not matter in this, right? Like this is just for people like us to talk about and coaches to complain about. Not anybody making a decision is taking this into consideration one iota. Well, but I think if Charlie Strong, you know, talks to the, the, the big boosters and says, hey, you know, this, this could hurt our recruiting, I think, I think that it does factor in a little bit where they will maybe consider it or the people who are making the decisions or at least, you know, t- take it into account uh, a little bit. A little bit. I, I, think, I think it'll have some impact, but I guess we'll see. We'll see how it, it shakes out. Uh, you know, I wish they'd give us some type of timeline on when we could expect it so we could stop talking about it, but... <laughs> I guess I guess we'll have to wait. Uh, boy, I don't know if you guys watched. I know you guys watched a lot of the games, but we had uh, our boy Tom Rinaldi that was all over TV this weekend uh, and had to sit down with Art Bryles, which I listened to last night on the Outside the Lines podcast, and it was really interesting. I mean, he... I guess he'd signed like a non-disclosure agreement, so he couldn't really talk about what happened, but he was talking about what happened. It was, it was really weird. Uh, it's clear he's on the PR, you know, he's on the PR trek. He's out doing interviews. He's popping up in NFL training camps. He's trying to get into college football and get another job. I know you guys talked about it on the show uh, earlier on in the summer when we, we started to hear rumors about him in Auburn, perhaps. Uh, I guess I guess we start with Nick. Do you think that Art Bryles is going to be a head coach again 
uh, next season. I mean, 2017, will he have a job? The question about whether or not he's going to be a head coach or not is, is uh, I think, a separate category from whether or not he's going to be coaching at all. There was, a, there was an interview not too long ago uh, that one of the local stations here in Texas got wind that he was having – he was having like lunch or dinner or something with his with his family at, at some restaurant. They sent a they sent a camera crew out immediately to like ambush him as he was walking out of the restaurant uh, to you know to try and do a you know an, an interview with him in the space between the door of the restaurant to his to his car. And he was smiling. He's waving at people that you know that knew he was out there, and he was really trying to like act gracious by and not do the interview at the same time. And and the guy just went straight into you know, well, before before he before he tried to get him to give a statement on whether or not he covered anything up, which of course he did not answer at all. But he he kept repeating over and over and over again that he he was he was going to be coaching next season in college football. So whatever that means, I, you know, who, who knows if he's got uh you know some sort of relationship uh, with somebody that has something set up for him, some some position in wait that he knows about that, that we haven't caught wind of quite yet. But he certainly seems to think that he's going to be back in the coaching picture next season. Well, yeah, he hired, he hired an agent. I mean, it was, I, I like I said, I feel, this Tom Rinaldi interview is really something. I would, if you want to get really angry, uh, I would advise go ahead and watching it because he really, he really lays it on. He lays it on pretty thick in that interview. Uh, Rob, what do you think? I mean, I know you you followed this pretty closely as well. You, you do you see him coaching? I mean, I, I personally, I'm starting to think yes. I think people can. I think you know that uh, people are trying to discredit this report now that got him in trouble saying they asked leading questions and stuff. So I think he could. So what do you think, uh, Rob? <laughs> well, I, for one, am shocked that, that people that enjoy football are trying to discredit a report that indicts a successful football coach. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he probably will. Do I, I mean, he probably shouldn't, uh, and he probably will, and that will just make me feel even more depressed about the state of college football because winning overall else. I always say that, all right, a head coach, if he was winning, could set a person on fire on national television and the fans of that team would find a way to be like, well, you know, he, the guy had it coming. Uh, this guy's a winning football coach and winning football coaches can get away with almost anything. I, I think we've seen that in a number of stories over the years. Uh, there will be some school out there desperate to win that will hire this man uh, and whatever. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's, that's their PR nightmare to deal with, not mine. But boy, uh, I think that I would like to say no, but I think deep down I know yes because college football fans and college football people are all insane. Well, wouldn't it be crazy if uh, Bill Snyder retired and maybe your alma mater gave him a call? <laughs> that would really be – you know, and that's the thing. I could definitely see that happening. Uh, you know, they may be some of the worst when it comes to justifying things. I think, boy, if Bill Snyder lit somebody on fire on television, that would be – there would be some serious justification going on among that fan base. I'll tell you what. <laughs> that would be uh, that'd be quite the thing. Also in the news, Steve Sarkeesian, of course, the former USC coach, he ends up uh, taking an analyst job at Alabama, and a lot of people are thinking, okay, he he might be the heir apparent if uh, Lane Kiffin leaves to get a head coaching job. Now, I talk to a few of these analysts sometimes uh, for 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 work purposes, but do we really think? I mean, there was a lot of conspiracy theories that he helped Alabama beat, you know, USC. I don't think any of that was true. I, I just think, uh, you know, it's not a it's not a big of a deal. I mean, the guy was, you know, admitted he had an alcohol problem. He went to rehab. Now he's got a job. 
Do we think he's going to be back on the field next year uh, coaching again? If he doesn't and Art Bryles is, then there's a problem. I mean, I, <laughs> I don't – It's yeah, I think, I think he will be, uh, and I would not have as much of a problem with that as I would with the other way around. Yeah, I mean, you know, I grew up going to uh, AA meetings with my parents and whatnot. You know, it's it's a struggle, but it's one of those things where if he, you know, if he got the help he needs and he feels like he's doing doing great and he's going taking the proper precautions, I wouldn't have a problem with the with a staff hiring him. I don't think he'd be a head coach again, but there's no reason he shouldn't be at least coaching quarterbacks, coaching, being offensive coordinator, working on the field. I know a lot of these analysts are supposed to not work on the field. I think that's kind of a, that's kind of a myth. I think that, uh, uh, plenty of them are on the field talking to players every week. Right. Absolutely. All right. We join, uh, we're joined now by special guest, Adam Friedman, uh, affectionately referred to as Officer Friedman by all of us uh, on this podcast. Adam, how's it going today? Oh, it's great. Just uh, keeping everybody in order down here in, or up here in the Mid-Atlantic. Yeah, I know you're out on the road probably <laughs> patrolling. Um, so <laughs> sure. Every weekend, man. Every weekend. So, so uh, we wanted to bring you on to talk about Mark Webb. He's a talented wide receiver from up there in uh, Pennsylvania. He recently named his top six, said he was going to announce on Friday. So we wanted to, to kind of preview that announcement and get a few uh, predictions from you. So the top six schools he has, Georgia, Alabama, North Carolina, Temple, Penn State, and Maryland. Uh, based on you know my outsider view, it seems like we've heard a lot of buzz mostly about Georgia and Alabama. Do you think those are the two finalists here, or is Penn State really uh, in the mix as well? Penn State is in the mix, but really it's between Georgia and Alabama right now. Um, you know, Georgia has been kind of the school for him for such a long time. Um, you know, his cousin is DeAndre Swift, the Rivals 100 running back from his actual rival school there in Philadelphia at St. Joe's Prep. He committed to Georgia, as we all know, and uh, that seems like they're the favorite. They've been the favorite for a long time, but a visit to Alabama uh, just a couple of uh, weeks ago, about six weeks ago, uh, really, really helped put the Crimson Tide, you know, hurt higher on his list. They gave them a lot of momentum, and uh, we'll have to see if that's going to be the choice, but I feel like it's going to be Georgia here. Okay, so that's your official prediction is Georgia? Yes. Okay, I think we uh, we we kind of assumed he's been going to Georgia for a while. What is it uh, all of a sudden about Georgia reaching up into Pennsylvania to get, uh, you know, obviously these two are close, they're cousins, but uh, how are they having success going up there and recruiting, especially considering all the talented players uh, they have down here to, to choose from? Sure. Well, I mean, Georgia has, is that kind of program that can recruit anywhere. They've got the facilities. They've got the big names. They've got uh, the wherewithal to really recruit anywhere. Uh, the only thing missing from their you know, full package is that been a good program for a long time, but they haven't really been able to get over that hump. And, you know, if they want to change something up, uh, they wanted, you know, they might want to recruit a little bit further from home. Of course, they've got the new offensive coordinator who was, you know, he came down there from Pittsburgh. So he was very familiar with, um, you know, with uh, Swift and with Webb. So there's a little bit of a connection there. Uh, but I think that, you know, these are the type of players that are national recruits. They're going to look all over the country for schools that are going to fit them best. And, you know, there's a definite wide receiver need at Georgia right now. And there is a definite running back need for DeAndre Swift, uh, you know, at Georgia. And I think they just found a really good fit there. 
I was speaking to someone close to the program there at Georgia, and they had kind of compared uh, Swift with Cam Akers. You know, we were we were kind of going back and forth. I had said, uh, you know, that I that I really liked Akers, and I was really impressed with him at what we saw. What he said about Swift was that 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 he's more he has those running back instincts. He knows, you know, he's he's not afraid to uh, take contact and run through it. He knows when to get out of bounds. He knows uh, how to hit a hole. And he his concern was that maybe Akers. Uh, didn't have that same ability because he plays quarterback. Do you think, where do you think, you know, how, how much do you like Swift? We know you've watched him several times, but, you know, how how would you compare him with some of the other guys that, that Georgia looked at hard and, and maybe uh, didn't have an opportunity to get or passed over? Yeah, I mean, I'm, a, as you know, from these rankings calls that we've been on, I'm a huge DeAndre Swift fan. Um, you know, I've been following his recruitment and, and staying in close contact with him and his dad and his coach. Uh, throughout the process, uh, really since he was a freshman. I met him uh, before he even played a varsity game, uh, right before I think it was his, uh, his freshman year uh, at St. Joe's Prep. So I've known them a really long time. Uh, the only difference that I've seen between Swift and Akers is really just size. Uh, and you mentioned that, that running back instinct, which I think, I think Cam Akers is a phenomenal running back, uh, but I do think Swift is a little bit ahead of him in, in that area. Uh, but you really can't teach the size that Akers has right now over Swift. Um, you know, he's a fun, fantastic receiver. Uh, you know, we've, I think he's won running back MVP at the rivals camps for two or three years in a row at the New Jersey uh, camp that we always have. And he's just, uh, you know, there's really very, very few holes in his game. I was actually at his game last weekend, uh, when they played a Don Bosco prep from Northern New Jersey, a, a, you know, historical program. They're always really a tough, tough team, uh, especially against running backs. And he was, he just lit them up. I mean, he did a great job, even in the kickoff return game. I mean, he had a 50 yard return just to start off the game. So there, he, he can really affect the game in, in multiple phases. Um, you don't see that from many guys out there. Um, I think we've got, you know, I think it's Najee, uh, Najee Harris and then Cam Akers and then DeAndre Swift, a one, two, three, uh, running backs there. Um, but I think, you know, that's a decent order. Uh, we're going to have to see how the season plays out. Uh, but I think Swift has a chance to move up the list. I mean, he's had a great season so far. They went out to California and uh, just put it on. Uh, one of the top teams out there. Uh, and, you know, that was the, actually the game that he committed uh, to Georgia during, and or right before, rather. And I think that uh, he's just, he has a good chance to be really successful in Athens uh, and become one of those well-known uh, names in the SEC right away. You, we, you know, we, Every year we hear about a freshman in the SEC that's just taking everybody by storm, and Swift has a chance to be that guy. All right. Well, so Adam Friedman, officially on the record, is projecting uh... – Predicting, projecting, both of them at the same time. <laughs> Mark Webb to Georgia. Uh, also had high price for DeAndre Swift. Adam, thanks a lot for joining us. If you want to follow Adam on Twitter, you can find him at Rivals Friedman. And uh, let's go back to me talking about other stuff with Nick and Russ. All right, now it's time for uh, a segment that got a big, got a lot of positive feedback last week. Uh, the recruiting tweet of the week. You better hope that mediocre money that you make it rivals is good enough for you for the rest of your life. Now, we, we used a college picture or a college player last week, uh, and we're going to do it again this week as we had Deshaun Kaiser, the Notre Dame quarterback, posted a picture of him uh, and an attractive uh, young lady named Taylor Anderson who uh, famously dated Nick Stauskas, the NBA player. Uh, they broke up. She's back on the market. So 
know, these two post a picture together and uh, Barstool Sports, which I know is one of Rob's favorite websites, uh, picks it up and says, uh, says Notre Dame's Deshaun Kaiser seems to be enjoying being QB1, at which place he responded to Barstool Sports and said, Still trying to audible out of the friend zone here, and you're not helping, bro. <laughs> so, so I thought it was interesting. How are you the quarterback of Notre Dame and you're in the friend zone with with anybody? Uh, you know, that may be that might hurt his draft stock uh, going forward. As we know, some scouts will famously tell you that if a quarterback doesn't have a good-looking girlfriend, he doesn't have uh, strong confidence. So that's this week's tweet of the week, short and sweet, but I always love uh, talk about the friend zone as somebody who, who spent uh, some time in the friend zone during uh, earlier earlier years of my life. Now, well, well, more importantly, as a football player, you always want to see that killer instinct. And when you have a guy that's, you know, admittedly trying to claw his way out of the friend zone as, as opposed to just going straight in for the kill right from the get-go, that's a little alarming as well. I, it's probably another topic for our political podcast but i'm extremely uncomfortable with the term friend zone for a couple of different reasons i think it's problematic but uh we can get into that later <laughs> probably not for a college football podcast yeah we'll save that for uh rob's uh left-wing podcast at on msnbc <laughs> uh, simulcast uh last week's game of the week we had kentucky against florida yeah rob and nick famously took uh Florida to cover the spread. I went against it just to be different. And of course, Florida smoked Kentucky and, and, you know, Kentucky looks to be in a sad state of affairs. We won't get into that too much this week. This week's game, we got a lot of good games this week. Uh, the game I chose, Ohio State at Oklahoma. I was really surprised Oklahoma playing Ohio State right after uh, uh, playing Houston. They got a tough non-conference schedule. I like these games. I'm glad it's at Oklahoma. Ohio State is a two-point favorite. So we'll start uh, with you, Nick Kruger. Who you got in this game? Well, it's interesting. You know, i taken a look at how Oklahoma came out and played against Houston, using that more as a point of reference. Uh, you know, really, really where I saw that they kind of struggled was when they couldn't get uh, their running game going. Uh, and then the defensive line kind of mixed things up on their their offensive line. You know, I, I, I'm not quite sure Oklahoma's receivers are quite there yet. Meanwhile, Ohio State, uh, albeit against Bowling Green and uh, whoever they played last week, it, not not just uh, just just allowed uh, no more than sixty yards to either opponent on the ground. So I'm thinking Ohio State stifles the Oklahoma run game, covers this actually just wins outright by at least a touchdown. I'm taking Ohio State. All right, Rob, who you got? I've you know I'm with Nick again. I've got Ohio State. I but it gives me a little bit of pause. You know I'm not going to pick Oklahoma here because when you see lines like this that seem so obvious. It always seems to be some kind of trap. Vegas always knows something. I, I don't, and I know that's not really logical, but boy, does this seem like there's something wrong with this line? Like, yeah, I, I'm on Ohio State, and I, but I can't, but I'm doing so with, with a little bit of hesitation, I think, just because I'm scared of casinos. <laughs> well, I will, uh, I, you know, unfortunately for, for Oklahoma fans, I'm going to go with Ohio State as well. Uh, you know, I, I saw an interview where Urban Meyer said he'd spoken to Tom Herman, and we know that Tom Herman is the best football coach that's ever lived yeah. per every, uh, every media outlet. <laughs> so, you know, I think, I think Ohio state's got the edge here. I think it's tough for Oklahoma, just kind of a tough break with them schedule wise. Uh, if they end up one and two, I think it's going to be pretty disappointed for them and their fans, especially considering where they were last year. So, you know, what can you do? That's, that's, that's my pick at this point. Now it's time for rants and recommendations. We, I believe all have, 
one of each, although uh, famously, of course, Rob didn't fill out the, the spreadsheet. I never got uh, the spreadsheet. <laughs> it's the same, the same link. link as it always is. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll start with uh, we'll start I with down Big Twelve coaches apparently. No, no, I put that in there. I did that. Oh, I, yeah, okay. that I texted him and told him to put it on there, though. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Nick, we'll start with you. What do you want to do? Rant or recommendation out of the gate? Well, bo- uh, well, boy, I-, I could go on and on and on about my rant, and I'm sorry that I missed it last week. Should I start with that? Yeah, go ahead. Let's start with that. Well, I don't know if, if college football fans have seen this. Woody, I know it took a little while, surprisingly, for you to, to see this commercial, but I've seen it ad nauseum. Rob, I'm not you sure if you, you're made aware of this I either, but Gatorade you has been putting freakish. out a series of commercials where they freaking. do a parody song of the Tomato freakish Tomato, freak. Let's Call the Whole Thing Off. Let's run the whole thing um, and it's just, you say <sighs> man, boy, I, it, say I mean, ridiculous. it is really the you most annoying most repetitive, most ridiculous, meticulous. I mean, sports drink commercials in general are pretty cheesy and and kind of, you know, the put put together in a way that's kind of unappealing to me at this point after watching sports my whole life. But this one really takes the cake. I mean, the song is not funny. It's not interesting. It's repetitive. It's annoying. It's not even sung. It's kind of like half rap. It was like what, what's it called when you do the slam poetry? poetry. Slam, slam poetry. poetry. <laughs> spoken uh, spoken words. Just, <laughs> yeah, it is so annoying. And when you and when you have to and when you're watching a football game, you know, as any college, any football fan knows, when you watch a, a any sporting event, you tend to see the same commercials over and over and over again. And this one really, it just, I mean, it, it it's it, it makes me, you know, as Gatorade is a former corporate uh, partner of ours, you know, it, it it hurts me to say this, but holy cow, that commercial alone makes me not want to drink Gatorade again. <laughs> Simply because well, <laughs> the commercial is so bad. <laughs> well, you know, Gatorade made a – they do make some great commercials. They had a great commercial with Cam Newton leading up to the first game, which I which I really enjoyed. I, I watched it in front of a YouTube video or something. Uh, so I'd advise seeking that one out. But the, the problem is I, I had actually seen this commercial, and I didn't even pick up that it was supposed to be a play on the Billie Holiday song. It, it, it's just like it, it, it's a it's a low budget commercial. The the, the football one is. There's also the, I didn't realize which one it was till I, I saw a basketball one. There's actually more than one. Did you know that, Nick? There's football. No, and yeah, I think there's a I think there's a soccer one too that yeah, I've seen. So, I've seen so, them all, and they're all equally terrible. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. Uh, <laughs> no, I guess we should go into something positive. Rob, what do you got on uh, on your doc? You got a recommendation this week? No, no, I don't have a recommendation. But my rant is you, you losers, picking on me for not filling out this spreadsheet because I'm searching my email right now and it did not come through. I just searched your name. I searched Kruger's name. Yeah, no, there is the no, there is no email. We're, we're working off of this one Google Doc going forward. Okay, with the same link. All right, so, see, I'll bookmark that. I uh, wish I would have been told that up front before I was ambushed by two people on a podcast for not filling out on a podcast that will be recorded and played to the public for not filling out a for not filling out a Google document that I didn't even know existed. Well, Nick got Nick got uh, chastised last week for the. Listen, for nobody nobody is worse at email than I am. Just take a look at my. No, but it's it's not a, it's not a, it's not an email issue. It's a uh, it's a it doesn't show up in the email. It's, User error. No, it's a it's a link it's a link issue. It's nobody told me to bookmark this thing, so I expected an email coming through, and there was no email. Okay, well now I'm now I'm gonna have to look up the original email I sent to see if I did say let's work off this every week because I'm pretty sure I did. Uh, let's talk about uh, I know a recommendation which Rob this this will apply to you if you haven't seen it yet. 
uh, the new FX show Atlanta, which uh, Nick and I obviously have a soft spot for as it takes place uh, in Nick's former city and the city I live now. stars Donald Glover of uh, Community Fame, also known as uh, Childish Gambino, the rapper. And boy, talk about a great show. Boy, I, I can't hype this show up enough. I wish we had the song to play, uh, which I don't think it's available for download yet, but it really captures uh, the spirit of living in this city of Atlanta at its fullest. Uh, Donald Glover, I think, plays like a Princeton dropout. His cousin's a rapper. He wants to manage him. And uh, obviously hijinks ensue. Nick, what do you want to add from, from what you really enjoyed watching it the, the first week? Well, you know, I, I like Glover as much as the, as the next guy. I'm not overly excited about him i didn't really watch community but i knew the, the star power that he brought to the show but i was actually i'm actually so pleasantly surprised by the other two actors and i guess i should look up their names but the the guy that plays the rapper and his other friend that sort of looks like dave Chappelle a little bit those guys are so good and i you know i i mean glover's good as well those other two guys really are it, it's a good trio of act of main characters i really enjoy it yeah and uh actually uh, the guy who plays Paperboy is on another show I really like called Vice Principles, which is a little more lowbrow, uh, which you can find on HBO. I would advise watching that, too. So Atlanta's on FX. Uh, you can watch it there every week. It's a half-hour you know, comedy drama sort I'm of mix. I'm and, excited uh, yeah. that, that the show is based in called Atlanta and based on rappers. As the One of the very first times I ever went to that city, I was at a mall. Uh, I don't know which mall. And the girl I was dating at the time when I told her I was at that mall was like, oh, that's the best mall to see rappers. <laughs> like I didn't know that was a category of oh, malls. Oh, yeah, definitely Lennox Mall where I, where, where I famously <laughs> saw uh, – who did I see there? Oh, Waka Flocka Flame. Uh, I believe the last the last time I was there, so that was pretty exciting. That was pretty exciting. So that girlfriend was right; you should have kept her around, Rob. What happened? <laughs> no doubt. You know, I'm not going to tell that story on this podcast, but let's just say that uh, it was not. That's, it, a, that's uh, another podcast that, that we have to make. <laughs> the Rob Cassidy Love Stories podcast. Well, that would be a good one. I actually, there is a podcast which a lot of people like, which is I believe I called Guys We What You Know F Word and. uh it's where these two women call up guys that they had had sex with and, and kind of go over what happened, what went right, what went wrong. There's a YouTube video on the internet right now. My cousin, who's a stand-up comedian in New York City, uh, somehow did this video with this comedy troupe where they brought in like a real lie detector and hooked up them to their ex-girlfriends, like the part of their ex-girlfriends, and then had them discuss about what went wrong, wrong in the relationship while on a lie detector test. Oh, well, that, I mean, that it is, it is uncomfortable, boy. That could be Rob's recommendation. Watch his uh, cousin's YouTube video. Is that the cousin I went to college with as well? Yep. Uh-huh. Same guy. Okay. Yeah, famously. So uh, my rant, I'll make it quick because uh, I'm very niche audience here. I was driving down in South Georgia this week uh, as I was out on the road, watched some football games and whatnot. And boy, I saw a lot of deer stands for sale. For those who don't know, these are things that you put in the woods, which you then climb into and wait for deer to come so you can shoot them, uh, you know, in which a lot of people have their problems with hunting. I am pro, I'm pro hunting. I have no problem with hunting as uh, I did plenty of hunting myself as a child. But guess what? I, I took my gun and I went out in the woods and I tracked down animals and I killed them. I didn't feed. I didn't put out food and then bait them in so I could shoot them. So guess what? If you sit in a tree stand... And you consider yourself a hunter, you're not. You, you, that's not hunting. So guess what? That probably affects a lot of our audience. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, you really be. ruffled some feathers as the college football. Yeah, got, <laughs> I mean, those. Guess what? 
I don't want to hear it. Get 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 off your ass and walk around and find a deer and kill it. Don't lure it in with. They basically feed it dog food. I mean, they have food to to lure it in. I mean, what happened to just sitting on sitting and hiding in the bushes and waiting for something to come? Not uh, not climbing up in a tree and feeding it food. So I got news for you. You're not a hunter. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a hunter anymore. The, the, Venn As, uh, the, the Venn diagram between that audience and this audience is just a circle. <laughs> it's just... Yeah. Well, <laughs> either way, I tell you, hunting can be fun. Of course, I had some venison, uh, which we all shared in that that uh, experience of me trying to get some venison home from uh, Mississippi, which I left it in Rob's hotel room, I think, and then Nick had to buy a cooler. It wasn't Mississippi it either, though. It wasn't Mississippi. It was was it Mississippi? Yeah, it was Hattiesburg. Yeah, it was, oh, yeah, it was in right. Hattiesburg. Nick and I drove all well, over got, all over Hattiesburg looking for a cooler to keep that meat in. Oh man. Well, that I got news brutal. for you. I I ate at the other. I ate some of the steaks the other night, and boy, it was delicious. So uh, all that hard work paid off uh, for me as I sat in my house, uh, my my estate eating uh, venison steaks, which I cooked uh, on the stove. So. Anyway, I think that wraps it up for this week. Uh, you know, please send us some email. We're not getting any emails, guys. I don't know what's going on. Nobody uses emails, so maybe tweet at us at Rivals Podcast. I ask for questions. You can send us week. a Snapchat or a Slack message, or find me on Vox. <laughs> it's easier for well, you. Also, uh, also this week I uh, asked for questions. In which case, a bunch of people sent me fake questions, and I blocked them on Twitter. So, um, what was the best me? fake question that you got? Let's answer one. Of them. Uh, it was, and then we go. Let's uh, answer one of the fake it questions. Was, it was how many boogers will Jim Harbaugh pick and eat this week? Ah, that's not even funny. <laughs> I, uh, I figured it'd be better than that. No, that's what I'm saying. You see why these people got blocked? You've been you've been axed, Funk. Um, so that that wraps it up. By the way, M Deuce did say he did listen all the way to the end of the show last week which we discussed his t-shirts and did say he will send us all uh, M. Deuce Beats t-shirts. So, big win for the three of us. Hey, we didn't even get uh, to talk about CM Punk getting his face beat in, Kruger. I guess we'll have to do that on the, the fifth podcast that we do later this, this afternoon. Yeah, well, <laughs> when, we're all work, when we're all working for uh, the UFC, we can talk about that on that podcast every week. <laughs> so, so, anyway, that wraps, that wraps it up this week. We want to thank M. Deuce for providing us with the music. And uh, please, like I said, subscribe on iTunes, leave us a review, and uh, we'll be back with another show next week.